Welcome to episode 71 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now, here's your host, Robbie Samuels. What do you want to be known for? Are you doing something today to meet that vision? Today's guest is all about taking action every day to build a bigger influence. You'll be amazed by how much he's accomplished in just the last few years. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is an executive advisor, business coach, and motivational speaker who's been called the business whisperer for his skilled and compassionate insights into what can keep a corporate culture from thriving. At age 23, he created one of the first internet marketing companies in America, then went on to great success at several national real estate firms. He has built, trained, expanded, and restructured both sales teams and corporate structures. But after 20 years in a C-suite, he knew it was time to make a business out of being himself. Now he teaches the secrets, hard work, and discipline required to think big, very big. A prolific business blogger, he's the author of the Think Big Movement, a fable about getting unstuck and transforming a business. Please join me in welcoming John Dwaskin. Thanks, Robbie. How you doing? John, thank you so much for joining me from your office in Huntington Woods, Michigan. I am thrilled to have you on here, and I want to just jump right in and ask you, uh, this is a podcast about leadership and building great relationships. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? So first, uh, leadership, just to start off, means never believe in your own PR. So I appreciate that intro. But, um, you know, I think that's the first one of the first rules of leadership. And you know, I think, you know, leadership to me is being a positive influence in other people's lives. And, you know, I kind of incorporate um, leadership with legacy because I think sometimes people think about legacy as, oh, I want to build this huge business and I want to give money to charity and I want my name on that building at the end of my life. But they really don't do is reverse engineer what legacy really means, which is, um, and that's why I I think it's wrapped in with leadership, is legacy is what you do every day to, to affect somebody else's growth and make them a better human being, a better person, a better salesperson, a better worker, whatever it is, you are giving them something to grow and be better. And that's what a leader does. And they do it with pure intention and they do it because they want the best out of other people. And that's one of the things that fulfills them. And if you do that, you're constantly building your, not only your leadership and your influence skills, but you're constantly growing your legacy as well. I love that you tie in legacy. I have to say, I've done a year and a half of episodes and no one has tied them together quite like that. And I think you're right. And that most people are not thinking about, you know, like there's that whole adage about, you know, you are what you do every single day. Right. Right. You're like, if you have a goal at the end of the year, it's not like you wait to the end of the year to work on it. It's like you should be you know, breaking down something every day. So if your goal in life is to leave this amazing legacy, well, then you have to have the leadership to actually pull that off as you live life. Correct. Right. Like, build a legacy as you go, not, you know, hope that it happens after. That's, that's right. really cool. And I think it's a good, like, visualization. Like, I think people 
really can sit down and map out like what would you want to be known for and then go do those things. And sometimes it, it leads to you not doing what you're doing, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, can, which can be a great blessing. You know, it can be yeah. a curse and a blessing. But, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite books is by Darren Hardy, The Compound Effect. And I don't know if you've read it or not, but it's, it's a spectacular book. And it's, it's a very simple concept. And it's the concept that, and, the, and the, the basis of my business when I talk about thinking big. The way I define thinking big is doing small things every day that compound over time to something big. So, you know, sometimes people will say to me, well, is, is big always better in business? And my reply is, well, it, it, it's however you define the word big, you know, don't define it as how you think you would define it, but how, how big do you want to get? And what are the steps you want to do every single day in, in line with how many people you want to affect every day and how many people you want to grow every day? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you'll ultimately grow. I remember listening to an Anthony Robbins tape when I was 20 years old, um, 30 day personal power. And I'm 45 now, so it was 25 years ago. And he talks about if you just increase 1% every day, you've increased 365% over the course of a year. And I don't think people think about that. But it does, yeah. just going back, you build your legacy as you go by being a leader and influencing and helping people get to where they want to get to. Yeah. And that's what leadership is. That's what leadership is to me. So, John, at what point in your life, you know, or is it early on that people started to notice that you had leadership qualities that maybe someone offered you an opportunity to step into leadership? Did you, or were you the shy kid who no one knew? Like, where, where did you fall early on? I was, you know, I, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm in the business of like, you know, promoting myself for my business, but I really don't even enjoy talking about myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I, so I say this not to impress anyone, but, you know, from my perspective, and this is just my opinion, I've always been just a leader. I, I, I it's, I've always had leadership qualities. I've always taken leadership qualities um, and roles and things since I was, since I was younger. I remember being in nursery school, Mrs. Rose's nursery school, and uh, the teacher telling um, my parents that, uh, if we always, we put the worst kid in the class next to your son and they become best friends by the end of the day and, he, and that the bad kid becomes a good kid. So <laughs> I think I've, I think I've always just had that, um, that just leadership qualities. You know, I can't say that, um, I don't know where it comes from. So I'll just say it's a, it's a gift. Yeah. And, um, I don't say it arrogantly cause I think with it, um, comes huge responsibility and with that responsibility, um, if used the wrong way, then karma will just yeah come back. I was going to swear, but I know this is a show for kids. Karma <laughs> <will just laughs> come back and, and kick a show for parents that might have kids. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, I love that you were all the way back to, uh, to nursery school, like, uh, too often I, you know, when I have asked this question, someone's like, well, in business school, I'm like, no, no, like keep going, you know, go back. So was there, uh, people in your life that sort of demonstrated this? Like, did you, did you see leadership as you were growing up? Were there people that you admired? It, maybe you didn't know that it was called leadership at the time, but like that you were able to say, oh, I, I really like what they're about. And like other people seem to like it too. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I grew up in a home of entrepreneurs. My father was a dentist huh. who had his own uh, dental practice. My grandfather uh, uh, was in real estate and had his own real estate company. So from the time I was seven years old, I would drive with him, you know, to Milford, Michigan and watch him sell homes and negotiate and just work hard to build his business. Um, my mom, although she was a stay-at-home mom, was, uh, had a ton of leadership qualities and 
um, was strong as far as wanting my my brother and I to just you know formulate opinions and you know and 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 push us both my parents and my grandparents uh, to be leaders. My uncles, I mean, I could go down the list, you know, and everyone was pretty much um, a, an entrepreneur in my family. So I that was really all I really mostly knew from, mm-hmm. and and I think that just innately. Uh, especially if if you have that DNA, I have I had to, I I was drawn to it, so it was easy. And then my father would you know always kind of say to me, and I talk about this in my book um, uh, and on my website too. But my father, at the age of eighteen, gave me a set of tape sets by Brian Tracy, and he said to me, "The Psychology of Success. If you listen to these, uh, you'll get more out of these and these types of people than you will college." So, um, so I started listening to Brian Tracy when I was 18 years old, the psychology of success. My dad put me in a time management, Franklin, uh, planner time management class. Wow. And I started from that day on the minute I put the Brian Tracy tapes on my head, I thought, Oh, this is what I want to do for a career. This is my end goal. You know, I want to grow businesses and write books and tapes and, um, tapes. I'm dating myself, but, um, <laughs> you know, things of that nature, but this is what I wanted to do. So my father really, you know, saw that in me and got me on that path. And still to today, I'm 45 years old. I'm, I'm still addicted to listening to and learning every day. That's wonderful. I think you're right. Parents can have such an influence on, on uh, developing innate talent or interests that uh, a young person has and giving them some direction as they, um, like start, start learning about what's possible in the world. I also think it's cool that you, you listen to the tapes and then realize that that was in itself a, a career. Like, right. I think I, I had to sort of fall into this over time, um, you know, like not realizing at the time that this was a thing you can keep doing. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm a speaker. Like, I didn't know that was a thing people got paid to do. <laughs> right. I was just like always talking to people about life. Uh, so what is it you're really um, finding most rewarding about the work you're doing today? Well, you know, I just want to go back and just comment oh, sure. on something you said, because I think it's really good. You know, you said, I didn't know you could make a career out of it. And I'm sure like you, because I, you know, I, um, I speak and I work with companies and um, I work with individuals and, you know, the people that don't understand what you and I do will say things like, how do you do, like, how did you make a business out of like something that I don't even understand how you get a client <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when it's not your client. So, and I, I only bring that up for two seconds, because I think, if you know what you want to do, then you can't listen to the naysayers. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to create your business, create your business plan, and then just jump in. I mean, you want to make sure that you have, you're financially secure um, in some level, or maybe even not, but just jump in, you know, and don't be scared just because people say it's not possible. Right. And yeah. go surround yourself with people who are doing, doing it or working on it. Right. You know, that's... That's part of part of the work. So, so, so back to like, what is it you're finding most rewarding about the work you do today? Sure, it's the greatest. I love everything that I do. It doesn't even feel like work, and I work with. Um, I get to make people better at what they do, and so it is an incredible. Um, and in return, they make me better. Uh, it's a kind of it's kind of a two way street. But I get to go in and I get to work with individuals. I get to work with companies. Um, I work with companies. I'm in Michigan. I have uh, clients locally and around the country and around the world. Um, I work with small companies, middle-sized companies, large international publicly held companies. And I get to work with their owners and C-level suites and their middle managers and their top salespeople and work with them to um, grow their sales, grow their skill set, 
Um, you get deep into strategy, implementation, help them integrate and strategize and come up with ideas and new ways of doing things and integrating things that need to be more effective in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And it's great because my clientele are people who are successful but stuck. And they're also successful but stuck and want to be better, not only as a company, but as human beings. Mm-hmm. So I find that um, that's kind of the, the formula for me. If those are all in alignment, then that's, that's the type of client I enjoy working with. It's a client I do work with. And um, I have a blast doing it. Yeah. So, John, when you were first getting started, though, I mean, you, you sort of found success early on. Um, I mean, early in your 20s, you were already a leader and, and, and making um, an incredible impact in your field. Um, did you, was there a shift at some point that you started doing more of what you're doing today? I mean, you were in real estate. So like, kind of how did you, that's kind of a broken road. Yeah, it's kind of a broken road career path. But uh, so yeah, what's, what's the thread through all of it? I'll share with you in a quick nutshell. So I started my internet company with my brother and a buddy of ours, uh, right at the boom in mid 19, May of June of 1995. And once we sold that company two years later, and then we were partners in the Silicon Valley company, um, the, you know, the, the moment I could leave, I left. So when my contract was up, it was just time to be done. And I, I had given hundred hour weeks. And, um, so when, when I could finally leave, I did, and I took about a year and a half off and I didn't work for a year and a half. Um, I started a side company a little bit with my brother on the side, uh, just to keep me busy, but I just needed a year to get myself together. Um, slept in, worked out, went to therapy, just kind of got regrounded after, uh, during that time, it was a crazy time in my life. Not only did I start a company, sell a company, but my mom passed away. My grandpa passed away. It was just a lot to take in for some, and I was, and I was only, 23, 25, 27 years old, which felt old at the time, but it really wasn't. And so I took a year and a half off and then I got into real estate and I loved real estate. My grandfather was in real estate. I always wanted to get into real estate. I started selling apartment buildings and um, I loved it. And and after six years of becoming the top conventional multifamily guy in my office, I was just getting restless and bored. I'm an entrepreneur by spirit. So I get, you know, I get, I just was bored. Uh, it was very monotonous. So I was thinking about leaving and starting my own business. And at the time, the guy that was running my office was getting promoted. So the company, long story short, said to me, if you want to take over the office, you can take over the office. And then the guy that's running the office is getting promoted to oversee the whole Midwest. So I was, I was kind of restless anyway. So I said, okay, I'll try it. That's not, you know, I'll do it. So I did that. Um, I accepted a job in June of 08, starting uh, August 4th of 08, which I did. And then in September of 08, the market crashed. Yeah. It was a horrific time. And so I worked um, in real estate running my office from, my office was just annihilated as every business was throughout the country. And then within six years, I grew it um, to 45 agents and I grew the sales teams and I grew it to, at, at one point, it was the most profitable office in the company, if not the top three in most cases, bottom line, top line, you know, it kind of fluctuated month by month, but it was a top office in the company. And then the company was ramping up and ultimately went public. And I just, creatively, I just needed to do something new. I felt like I had conquered that and that chapter was over. Uh, the company I worked with was amazing. I loved it. Um, I had an incredible experience, but it just 
it wasn't as fulfilling as I needed it to be in that moment anymore. So I just was ready to reinvent myself. And as I was getting ready to resign, I was offered an opportunity to go into a business and help restructure that business and also buy real estate. So, so I did it for a year and did what I needed to do and then started my own business shortly after that. Um, well, not shortly after that. I mean, it was that, I did that for a year and then I started my own business um, immediately. What was most challenging in that last transition when you were like, okay, now I'm really going to go start my own business again? You've had all these other experiences of, of starting businesses, running businesses, running an office, you know, being so successful in the world of, of real estate. But now you've had a little taste of what it's like to this restructuring, which is closer to what you're doing today. Like, was there any kind of roadblock, mental, or uh, mental. something, yeah, something more. you didn't know, or like a skill set you didn't have, or was it? Yeah, was it mostly the the mental stuff that ha- we all have to overcome? Yeah, it was more just kind of being able to take the jump. But I, I really was at a point where I wanted my freedom. I wanted to be able to creatively do what I wanted to do. Um, uh, I wanted to just grow a business of my own and. Um, I wanted to do it exactly the way I wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it where I, where I just wanted to completely reinvent myself again. And, and so I did. So I created a, you know, I believe in short, concise business plans, but I created a 60 page business plan that was incredibly in depth. And I just launched myself on social media and it took off. And thankfully, uh, which I'm very grateful for, it took off really quickly. How long ago was this? Two and a half years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And now I, I also, you're, you just came out with a book. So this Correct. is another big, was that part of the original business plan? 60 page long business plan include the idea of mm-hmm. getting a book out there? Yeah. It included about seven books. So wow. I just, I just signed on for my second book, which I'm going to start writing on, um, uh, which I'm going to start writing on October 1st. I already have kind of the premise down for that. And um, yeah, book writing and speaking and working with companies and businesses around the globe and locally and regionally. And, and it's great, you know, and thanks to Skype and Zoom and technology, I can, I can do a, a workshop for 30 salespeople or a leadership team or a meeting with anybody anywhere in the world. So it's, it's been an amazing experience. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great time. Well, there's no... There's no borders, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, being face-to-face with someone is great, but I mean, you and I are face-to-face. I don't even know yeah. where you're located. Where? Yeah, I'm Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I was just in Boston. My wife and I went to New England for two weeks. So we were in Boston uh, in the beginning and then at the end. But yeah, so that's why. So I know it sounds choppy to some people, but to me, it made... Um, it made total sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, uh, you know, the people you've met along the way, like all the, all the, like your contacts, your your network. I guess I would say broadly speaking, you know, they obviously, you know, you have entrepreneurship circles, the real estate circles, which I think kind of overlap some, um, and then this new client base you were wanting to break into. How how are you sort of keeping in touch with people from? 20 years ago, are they part of this new endeavor in any way? Like, did people come out of the woodwork as you were like, hey, new, new plan, new shingle, like, come join me. And like, were you surprised by who showed up? And, um, you know, it's kind of a combination of all of that. Um, it's been, you know, I don't think, you know, in my role, what I'm doing now, as people who know me specifically would say, 
well, what a perfect uh, thing for you to do. It's kind of what you've done just in different, maybe in different industries. But, but, but my role is, is very similar to me. So yeah, no, I mean, I've had phenomenal support to, um, from all my past contacts and current contacts. And um, I've always been good at keeping in touch with people, uh, you know, and technology makes it really easy. Do you have a particular method or, or practice that you do to, to really sustain those kind of, you know, I guess, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, weaker ties? Yeah, I mean, I, I always have a list of people that I want to make sure that I'm connecting with. Of course, I have mailing lists and things of that nature. But I make sure that I'm connecting with people via text or phone or face-to-face and, you know, sending an article here and an article well, you, there. You are totally old school. You just mentioned phone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm old school. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I, there aren't many people that I don't stay in touch with on some level. Yeah, and, um, that I've come in, you know, come in contact with that are meaningful to me. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. not everybody I've come across a lot of people, but um, you know, if I think that I can help them, and if I think that there's a benefit that I can bring yeah. to their game, their skill set, their company, um, you know, it's then 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 and we do have you, conversations. Do you uh, have a system for actually keeping track of these connections? Because, and that's what some people struggle with, right? Like the idea of staying in touch is a good one. Like, oh yeah, I should do that. But like the being reminded or, or ha- you know, having a tickler file or, you know, using a CRM or, you know, there's a zillion ways to do it from low tech to high tech. But do you have something like that? Or is it more intuitive? Like someone pops in your head and you think to reach out to them? I write everything down. Um, I have a, a master, um, Excel sheet that I use with different tabs uh, where people are in different tranches and different buckets. And, um, and it just sets off my reminder of, of what I need to do and how I need to organize it. So, wow. you know, my, my, I need things organized a certain way. So I use I, Excel works for me. You know, it's when I was yeah. in my real estate days, I had a CRM and I used Goldmine at the time and which is, was, was kind of a form of act. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was making way back. Three, four, oh yeah. Making three, 400 calls a week. Um, I'm not doing that type of volume, uh, as far mm-hmm. as calls these days, but, um, so Excel works for me, it works for my brain. I mean, I got to do what works kind of for my brain and how I can, how I can organize it. But yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, one of the things I talk to people a lot on this show is about, uh, contactually. Have you heard of contactually? It's a CRM. Um, it's what's kind of cool about it is it, it uh, puts people in buckets. And so you have people in buckets based on different criteria, mainly like how long maximum you want to have go by before you reach out to them again. So it'll be different for, you know, past clients versus, you know, uh, people you meet at a conference versus, you know, colleagues, former colleagues, et cetera. So you have different buckets. And then you set the timer. And what happens is if you don't reach out by phone or email, and it can that's stuff that you can actually tell, uh, it'll pop back up that person onto your dashboard. And then if you've already had a meeting with them in person, you just write a little note like, yes, I spoke to them or I called them or, you know, we're good. And then you can, it'll skip it and reset the timer. And I actually at first thought, oh, I'll use this for all my close connections. And I realized I don't really need it for my close connections nearly as much as I need it for my my weaker connections, right? Because if if I don't have a reason to talk to them all the time, then it's easy for people to sort of fall off. So that's how it's helped me um, 
And then I, you know, I use a spreadsheet for those, like when you're, when someone's making an introduction or I'm making an introduction, I do try to track those. And then there's a point where someone sort of reaches the level where I want to add them to the contextually, you know, yeah. like as, as that next tier. Um, and it's just, it's helped me not That's wait cool. until right the next conference. It. it looks great. Yeah. If you go to robbysamuels.com slash contextually, you get a two week trial, which is a way to like dabble in it a little bit just to see whether it's something you want to check out. So infomercial over. I just think it's a cool product. And I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it with like Gmail tags and, you know, the different features on LinkedIn. But I'm glad you have something because that sounds like your background in real estate kind of set you up to have a mindset and a framework to to think about follow-up differently than maybe the average Joe because, you know, a lot of people just don't have that. They don't even think about it very much. It sounds like at least for you, it's like a big, it's like part of and built into the way you do your work. Yeah. When I took a Franklin Planner uh, time management class when I was 18, 19 years old, they teach you how to follow up. I don't know if you've ever taken the class, but they teach you a certain way to follow up. So I had at the time, you know, it was 1995, there was no CRMs didn't even really exist. Right. And if they if there were, we didn't know about them and we couldn't afford them because we didn't have any money. But I would take a, my, my Franklin Planner and people would ask me all the time, like, what time management do you use? Because your time management is so impeccable. But I, I just would re, I would just write everything down. And, yeah. you know, that was just my secret. So what's cool is that if you can learn something at that age and it just becomes a part of what you do, it's like you don't even think about it anymore, right? right. Like, like that makes it a little easier. Are there, are there other habits that you're working on? I mean, like, um, I guess a different way to ask this question is, well, how do you know you're working all the time? Like you're, you're an entrepreneur, right. like you maybe aren't doing a hundred hour weeks the way you were when you had that first business, but there's still a blurry line, you know, particularly cause yeah, we have so many ways of communicating. So what, what are you doing when you know you're not working when, when you're off work, when it's not work time. What, what am I doing? Yeah. What, how do you know it's not work time? Right. So I just want to say one thing as far as time management goes or um, uh, CRMs go. One of the things I do use, just I'm backtracking for a second, is Todoist, to which is an app I just want to talk about because it, that keeps me highly organized. It's a, to do, it's a steroid. It's like a to-do list on steroids. It's unbelievable. Um, so how do I know when I'm not working? Well, you know, being an entrepreneur and still having a relatively, you know, startup company. I mean, I'm two and a half years in and, you know, it's been growing great and I've been doing a lot in the last two and a half years, but it's, um, it's tough to not work. So I have to really push myself, but I have two kids, 14 and 11 year old, 14 year old boy, 11 year old girl. Um, so I do my best to really be conscious of spending time with them and my wife and doing things and, and, I play a bunch of tennis, so I try to get out and play tennis or work out in the mornings. I have a gym in my house. So just so I can kind of find those moments and spaces when, you know, that I can just kind of do nothing. But, you know, my kids are in middle school and high school, so they also have a lot of homework. So at night when they're doing homework, I can, I'm working too. So it's kind of, they're working so I can kind of catch up and work, but it's a hard, it's, it's a, it's a hard balance because, um, you know, I'm seeing clients all day. I do my I do my follow up work and kind of planning at night. And then on top of that, I'm you know I just launched my book. I'm writing a second book. So there's a lot. I'm always creating uh, workshops and keynotes talks, even when you know before I give them, 
because I know what I want to speak on. So I'm creating them out. And my brain is so creative that I'm always kind of thinking of something new. And the way my brain works, I don't know if it's like all entrepreneurs, but the way mine is, is I'll get an idea and then the whole idea downloads in my head. So I got to kind of get it out on paper or it just sits in my head. And um, so it's hard, it's hard not to work, but I meditate every day. So I try to calm my brain and, um, and just do my best on weekends to kind of find that space where I'm doing family time. And Yeah. Do you have a, a sort of daily practice or a morning routine or something like that, that kind of gets you your day started or that helps you? You, you mentioned meditation a moment ago, but is it, is it part of a greater scheme? Yeah, I wake up. Um, I, I practice transcendental meditation. Um, I wake up at uh, five-ish, uh, meditate. Um, and then I will, after I meditate, I'll, you know, maybe write for a couple minutes, maybe read something for a couple minutes just to kind of, um, you know, get my mind working and, um, maybe then check my email a little bit and then I'll work out in my gym, uh, down in my basement. So then I'm done by seven o'clock, uh, 7 o'clock, which is when my kids get up. And then, you know, then, then it's like just a mad rush of, you know, getting them breakfast, getting them ready for school, getting them off to school. Um, and then, then I'll jump in the shower and off for my day. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of my morning ritual. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of actually the Miracle Morning, like the sort of steps that you have on there. Have you read Miracle Morning? You know, I haven't read it, but I bought it. Uh, yeah. After I was telling somebody about my morning, they said it sounds like Miracle Morning. The Miracle Very Morning. Very much. Yeah. Or maybe it was my sister-in-law who told me about it. She went to an Anthony Robbins um, week, and I think he maybe talks about it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I bought it, but I haven't looked at it. I buy a book a day. And I'm always buying a book. So <laughs> Can't read them as quick as you buy them. I know. It's, I know. It's hard. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's the it's, it's same idea, like, you know, the idea of um, some meditation, um, reflection, you know, reading reading your goals it's it's writing it's a lot of you know all those different things but it's been packaged so that people can uh think about it differently and maybe practice it i found one of them in particular was uh there's miracle morning for writers there's also miracle morning for entrepreneurs so there you might maybe be drawn to some of these subgenres <laughs> a little bit more than the general one that he started with because he talk about a brand like he yeah. self-published he, he oh really yeah he went huge and uh it really took off so that's cool Good it's for pretty him. pretty amazing so um you know i think you like you you're fascinated like you how much you were able to do in two and a half years and it's clearly it's built on everything you've done up to this point and like how hard you've worked do, where do you see yourself in the next year or so like what is your like if we were sitting down and you know, having coffee a year from now, or or catching up, you know, what what are we going to be celebrating? What are the accomplishments that you hope will have happened in the next year? Well, the um, the speaking and the keynote piece of my business um, is going to continue to grow, um, and I love doing that piece because you can just impact a lot of people at the same time, and you can help them grow their business, grow their game, grow their skill set. And so that I think will, will grow in a significant way. My second book will be done, but not, um, uh, but not published yet. And then, um, and then my business is going to continue to grow as I work with companies around the globe and working with them to 
grow their businesses and get in and strategize with them and to just help grow, you know, large companies and medium-sized companies and small companies. And, you know, it's interesting because when you, when you speak and sometimes, especially when you're a coach, like we are, people don't wake up and say, God, I need a coach. You know, how do I get better? Well, you know, you should hire a business coach or you should hire a, and so the more coaches there are, the more than uh, it works. It's in all of our favors because we help everybody grow. And so, so to me, you know, a year from now, my speaking business, a uh, piece of my business is going to have grown in a significant way. I think you need a book to do that, which now I have. Um, it just lends a lot of credibility to this process. And my business will continue to grow. And I'm going to continue to love what I do and have a blast doing it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation. So yeah. before we wrap up, I have one other question for you, which is for folks that are just starting out. If you even think back to all the, the things you were taught early on, you got a lot of great early education on, on, on leadership and time management and such. But do you, is there some piece of advice that you would have told yourself at 25 or that you would give a, you know, someone newly starting out to really build a strong and supportive professional network to really start that practice early on? You know, I think I did do that, and um, um, I was very involved in charitable groups and boards and committees. And I don't, I can't point to it and say it really ever helped me in business because I didn't do it to grow my business. I did it because there were things that were important to me, and I felt like it balanced my life, and I could do charitable things and be on these boards and partake, and um, and it was great. And I think. I think indirectly it helped me grow my business because it balanced who I was as a person, but it also exposed me to a group of people where I could be authentically myself and the intention was so pure that when I was talking business with them, they could, they could see the different you know, elements of who I was in, in different settings. So I would say um, get involved and be consistent and get involved in boards and committees and, and, and just get out there and, and do something that feels right for you. Don't do something that you think is right for the business or the company. Get involved in organizations and, and, and really get involved. Get on the committees. Get, just get involved because what you'll learn from them is, is like a free master's class. I mean, yeah. there's brilliant people who are in it. So if you don't even look, get any business from it, because I don't think I ever really ever asked for business. If it came my way, that's great. But what you will learn from the skill set of those people, you can take into your business and, and grow your business. And I just on, on networking, I think that asking for an introduction is something that people don't do, but they should do and get more comfortable. They, people typically hate the word referral, but if you ask for an introduction, it's, a, it's an easier way. So if I had to go back, I would tell my 25-year-old self to ask for more introductions to people. Um, because I didn't want to ask for a referral because I felt like a used car salesperson. Right, yeah. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with a used car salesperson, but I would say to them, I would say to myself, just go up to all of these people and ask them for an introduction to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And that, right, that alone would have just really like taken that, those possibilities to the next level of who you would meet in your network. Correct. Because right? they're already amazing people. You're already in a similar situation. And the fact that you're on a board with them would make it a lot easier for them to say yes. Correct. Not, like you've, you've put the effort in to be working with them and supporting a cause they also care about. It isn't as random. I think mistake people make is when they, they're like, 
find someone on LinkedIn that they have no relationship with. And they're like, will you make an introduction for me to somebody right. else in your network? And it's like, I don't, what? Right. You know, <laughs> right. whereas like get on my stage a little bit, you know, like work with me a little bit and like show who you are to me, demonstrate, you know, some right. ability to follow through even. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I love, yeah. I love making those connections. I'm a big fan of doing it. I, I do it all the time. And there's certain people that are really good at also letting you know what happened like the closing the loop part of it. Right. Some people like never tell you. They go into business together and like three years later, you find out. You're like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't, no one told me, you know? Right. Like, yeah, so there's a, there's a little art form, I think, to being really good at the being introduced, getting introductions and doing that follow-up. So that's a fantastic, that and join a board would be great ways for anyone, even mid-career, to like step up a little bit in their game. And, and I like the idea of it, how it could balance you out as a person. If you feel like you're doing all business all the time, Here's another way to give back in a really concrete way. So brilliant. So John, how do we find you and follow your work? Oh, well, uh, thanks for asking. Um, so my website is johndwoskin.com, J-O-N-D as in David, W-O-S-K-I-N. And all my, everything is on my website, my, my book, my podcast, I have two podcasts, um, blogs, video tips. I mean, just a ton of, a ton of content, um, a lot of free eBooks and, um, you know, feel free to visit. And if anybody wants to call me, do. And if they don't, just enjoy all the free content to make you better. Yeah, that's awesome, John. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us. All right. Appreciate it, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with John Dwoskin. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 71. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. If you're listening to this podcast and you already understand how critical relationship building is to your success, you go to events and conferences to meet new people and you make an effort to stay in touch. Yet, you know that you could up your networking game and turn that stack of business cards you've been collecting into cash, clients, and credibility. You're ready to create a strategic networking plan so you know where to put your limited time and energy and, of course, create a system for following up and staying connected. Let me help you transform relationships into business opportunities. You can get started by reading my best-selling business book, Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. If you purchase it at robbysamuels.com forward slash bookstore, you can receive all of the book's bonuses, including the free audiobook. Would you rather one-on-one executive coaching? Email me at Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. We can schedule a time to chat about personalizing a strategic networking plan for you. And of course, that system that you need to be tracking your most important connections and those warm, weak ties you need to keep cultivating. You can also email me to get on the wait list for my next mastermind group coaching program. If you enjoyed this episode with John Dwoskin, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talented professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built their strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then... Have an amazing week. 
Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.